a day, Spartan Nation. Mel Tucker and his staff signed 26 players during the early signing period this week. By all accounts, an impressive class for the second-year Michigan State coach. We will discuss all the drama and perhaps more to come on episode 60 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Thursday, December 16th, 2021. Uh, Matt, another early signing day in the books. I know in the past you've talked about it being a slog to cover, but uh, you made it again. Uh, how did yet? How did it go yesterday? I'm assuming you were up bright and early. Yeah, uh, the it's the annual. Did I wake up this early for any reason? Type of thing. Um, in some years past, like all right, so 7 a.m. is when uh, players can start sending in their national letter of intent. 7 a.m. wherever they are. So if you're in Australia. You can get that in pretty early, but um, there have been years in the past where they start announcing guys right after seven. And there have been some years and Kyle knows the deal um, where you're sitting around and it's nine 30 and you're wondering why you aren't still in bed, but no, um, they started, uh, you know, fairly early yesterday. I uh, have to go back and look. Let's see. Cause I was writing down the times 8 AM on the dot. Jack nickel was the first letter of intent that Michigan state announced. And they kind of, Rolled through. There was a little unusual yesterday, and as far as in most years past, um, they would have they would announce have all the guys announced, and then you go to the presser and yada yada. But they still had like seven or eight guys that they hadn't announced when Mel started talking, and then he just starts running down the list of guys. So and had them all in there. So didn't really matter in the end. It was just uh, you know different in the way it was uh, worked, and the way and now especially with the transfer stuff. Their Mel makes it clear that they pretty much view that one in the same. They look at the, you know, the the high school recruits coming in and the transfers they're added. They they basically loop them together in what they consider a signing class. Um, I prefer to separate them because I think there's a big difference between some 17 year old kid who's coming out of high school and somebody who's played in the SEC for four years. But uh, that's just me. So either way, um, you know, they they added to 26 players, so um, they're you know getting stronger for the future. And we'll get into those uh, 26 players a little bit more, but uh, Matt, I guess you could say there was a reason to be up bright and early because in Kyle, you did a story on uh, Tate near we might as well start with it. Just being an honorary, uh, you know, member of the recruiting class, obviously the, uh, the kid who was tragically shot in the Oxford shootings uh, a couple weeks ago, Um, but nice gesture by Michigan state. And I know you, you did a quick story about it. Yeah. Um, you know, by, by all accounts, Tate, um, you know, was a Michigan State fan and his dream was to play at Michigan State. So I thought that was a really nice way for them to honor him, you know, as an honorary member of the class. Um, you know, they reached out to the family and, and made sure that that's something that they were on board with and they were. Um, and Mel did uh, mention by name the other three victims, too, which I thought was good. But um, no, Mel, actually, we asked him about the presser and he told um, an interesting story. He went to an Oxford, uh, I believe it was Oxford West Bloomfield game. Um, and he said he's standing there in the end zone and he sees this um, running back break off a long run, outrun the whole defense down the sideline. And he's, he's standing next to the Oxford AD. He said, who, who is that kid? You know, I want to, I want to, I'm going to write his name down. And he wrote his name down and he gave it to um, Saeed Khalif, the recruiting director. And that was Tate Meyer. And he had, uh, um, you know, he wasn't a big name recruit, but, um, he was starting to get interest and they had invited him up on a visit. So, um, you know, a kid who by all accounts worked hard, did all the right things and, um, was on his way to achieving his dream. So uh, yeah, obviously a tragic situation with him, but I thought a, a nice way for Michigan state to incorporate him on that day. 
Yeah, and we've seen a lot of the, you know, the Michigan sports teams honoring, um, uh, you know, Michigan wore the patch during the Big Ten Championship. And, um, you know, we saw the Lions do some stuff and, and all the teams in Michigan, I think, have really and really Michigan and, and the world in general has really rallied around that school. And my dad, my grandparents live right in Oxford and my dad said he drove by the high school yesterday and just all sorts of stuff uh, on like the fence around the school and just just different things of offering support for the whole situation. He said he got, you know, he's a former principal, so he said he got real emotional driving by it yesterday. But, um, you know, just just a tragic situation. But it's nice to see the way that, you know, all the of Michigan's uh, marquee sports teams have have kind of rallied around it. So, um, Matt, did you have any thoughts on that? I thought that was a cool way to open things yeah. up. Yeah, and then it was the first guy they announced. So I thought, you know, that was a nice gesture by Mel and the staff and, and making sure that was all right with the family. So, yeah, by all accounts, uh, you know, a classy move. Well, we'll get into uh, the rest of the, the class here. Um, if you could please like, rate, interview the podcast, it would be very much appreciated. Uh, lots of coverage from yesterday and, and uh, the days before on MLive.com slash Spartans. We're all on Twitter. Most of you guys know where to find us. And uh, you can hit us up via email as well if you'd like. But we appreciate you very much for listening. Uh, let's get into the class, guys. I mean, it's ranked number 21 overall in the 247 Sports Composite. Uh, Mel said it was a consensus top 20 class. Uh, he might have been bending it a little bit there. But if you include the transfers, uh, the four transfers, I, th I think it's like 18th. But, Matt, you said you like to celebrate or uh, separate the two. Um, but, I mean, it's, you know, it is kind of like if you want to look at it that way, it's like combining the whole uh, the whole class. And 247 has the transfer portal ratings now. I think Michigan State is second. Um, but they're, you know, their average rating is shattering South Florida. So I guess like before we talk about, you know, individual players, what's your reaction to the class overall? I, I'm pretty impressed by it. I, I mean, I think this is, you know, it, it's you, you hire, part of the deal in hiring uh, Mel Tucker was to get somebody who's a strong recruiter. And I think you're seeing that. Um, I think, I think some people, you know, I mean, the recruiting slipped in the end for Mark D'Antonio, obviously, but I mean, there's still players you saw in the field this year that were in the later classes he had that were contributors. Um, but that said, um, you know, they're right now the class sits at 21st and 24/7 composite, like you said. You know, Mel or uh, Mark only signed one top 20 class ever in in his 13 seasons, and that was the 2016 Dream Team class. And I don't think we need to really run down what happened no, there. I think no. everybody remembers it. So, no, it's a it's a really strong class. You got five four star prospects. Um, you address needs in the secondary, you get the quarterback that you were pretty much looking for and pulled him away from another school in the process. Um, you're getting help in, in the, on the defensive line. They need to improve the pass rush. And you saw that in, in some of the transfers they got. So yeah, all in all, it's, it's a pretty strong class and it shows what, what they could do. Um, especially when the, you know, last year his first class ranked 46 in the country, but it was pretty much all done virtually. Most of the guys they signed in, in the 21 class. Never met any members of the coaching staff in person. Never set foot on campus before for signing. Um, that's pretty remarkable when you're pulling guys from, say, Louisiana or, or South Florida to come up to Michigan and they've, you know, to, for college and they've never even been there. That's you know, still looking back on it. It's just absolutely ridiculous. But um, they were able to, to bring guys to campus. You saw that this summer with, with how successful their visits were. They were well-planned. Saeed Khalif came in basically right at the – May 27th or whatever it was. I can't remember right before this all started. And then he got to really get to work on, on what they were doing. Um, so yeah, they, they were able to sell their brand and that was for a, a staff coming off a two and five season. They built a pretty good class going into the fall. They had a pretty solid group. Um, 
and then they they're ten and two. So you know, Mel was talked about this yesterday. He thought that when when they got guys on campus and they saw you know what they had in place, he thought that there was the belief that they were heading in the right direction and the results on the field he thinks just reinforces that. And obviously he thinks that helps with recruiting and and there's no reason to think otherwise because when you when you do what they did this year and the biggest single season turnaround in program history, uh, there's no reason to think that won't help in recruiting and it seems to pay off for them. And they're in conversations that they probably wouldn't be in. They were in battles that they probably, you know, wouldn't have been in in years past. And and there's reasons for that. Yeah. And, and he mentioned that a lot of the class was, you know, committed before this good season by Michigan state, which I think says a lot about what they had, you know, going on there from a culture standpoint. And he also mentioned that he thinks 2023 is when they'll really start to be able to capitalize on the success they've had this season. I mean, that will obviously remains to be seen, but um, you know, it, I, I'm pretty impressed with the class, particularly when you look at that four of the five, five stars are from the state of Michigan. Uh, Mel Tucker said that from the start that, you know, he feels that to be successful, obviously he wants to work his pipelines in Georgia and in the South, but uh, he knows that Michigan state needs to get some kids from, from Michigan to be successful. And um, you know, for, you know, Alex Van Summeren from Bay city, uh, Dylan Tatum from West Bloomfield, Jaden Mangum from, from Groves high school and Antonio Gates from Dearborn Fordson. You know, that's, that's for the top eight recruits in Michigan coming to Michigan state. So, um, you know, being able to recruit Michigan is, is going to be a, a key thing, I think for Mel moving forward. And at least this initial class is a good sign that he should have some success doing that. You know, it really stood out to me. You mentioned Georgia cause I got seven players from there, which is more than any other state. Look at how many guys there are from Ohio. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. That is what, you know, that really st- stands out because that was, I mean, that was, you know, under D'Antonio, it was Michigan and Ohio, and those two were right there. And there were years where they were pulling a lot of guys out of the state of Ohio. And and that's not to say that won't happen in the future. I think it's cyclical. Mel uh, Mel's a Cleveland guy. He's got guys on his staff with Ohio ties. I don't think they're, they're, they're not abandoning Ohio by any stretch of the imagination. It's just this cycle didn't really lead itself. You know, they were in the, in the hunt for a couple of guys. From Ohio, but um, Georgia heavy, and, and you know he's got his his SEC, his ties there from being the the D coordinator at, at Georgia, and you know previous SEC experience. But I, I thought the, the lack of guys from Ohio was really notable in the class, and just kind of an interesting twist in recruiting. But um, Mel believes that Georgia is uh, you know a key spot for them, and and I think you're going to see that in the future. One of the things I was wondering heading into this offseason was what would be the portal versus high school recruiting balance as far as building the roster? Because obviously we saw it swing um, very hard towards the portal um, last year, which I think made all the sense in the world, given what uh, what Mel inherited and the challenges of recruiting under COVID. Um, and I was kind of curious, like, is that going to be the norm here? Are they going to go back towards high school recruiting? And it seems like, I mean, man, you can weigh in. It seems like it's swinging back a little bit, but portal is still pretty important. They still took some pretty high level portal guys. And that makes sense because when, when Kenneth Walker, the third does what he does, that's going to open up guys, open up of guys eyes there. So I, I think it's, it's a smart strategy. I mean, I don't think you want to go. I mean, if you're going to try to completely go high school recruiting and you're going to try to beat Ohio state and Michigan um, every year, that that's a tough road. And I think a better strategy for them is to, uh, obviously, you know, do as well as you can in high school recruiting and a top 20 class is pretty good. But if you can supplement that with those 
sprinkling of portal guys, uh, picking the right ones, getting a couple high level guys. To me, that's how you end up with a roster that can really compete in those games. Because it's going to be hard year in year out to compete with the big boys um, in the um, in in the high school ranks. But I think if you can kind of, you know, Mel always calls it like like the NFL. You know, the portal is free agency, the draft is high school recruiting. Um, and if you can find that right balance, um, to me, that's how you get a roster that can win the Big Ten potentially. Absolutely. Uh, you got to You can't go full portal crazy. You know, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, you're, you're not going to abandon giving, uh, you know, high school recruiting. You know, Mel always says, you know, build through the high school ranks and supplement and complement through the portal. And I think that's accurate because you're going to you, you need to sign the high school kids and try and develop them. Um, and then come December, you know, every year and then beyond into the offseason, you're going to look to see who's in the portal. And if you can find the right fit, then, then go for it. But there's no guarantee, you know, you're going to be able to, you can do that every year. Um, you, you need to recruit to, to build for the future. And I, you obviously can't expect to pull Kenneth Walker out of the portal every year. You know, if people <laughs> are thinking Jalen Berger is going to come in and win the Heisman trophy next year, they should probably readjust their expectations and realize just how rare it is what would happen with Kenneth Walker. Now Berger might be a, a great player for them, um, he might not even be the starter. I don't know, but you know, you, you, I, it, it was really rare what they did this past year with the portal. And part of that was just, you know, the delayed attrition from, from the Mel taking over and then not having an off season and, and the one, you know, the timing of it being the time when they, when the one-time transfer exemption was allowed. So uh, the timing worked out right and they'll still continue to hit the portal, but it's not going to be the overhaul like we saw after, after last season, every year. Mel Tucker can't turn into Dr. Strange is what you're saying. Don't go, don't go portal crazy, crazy here. Uh, but to your point, Matt, last year, just two guys from Ohio as well. And one of them was Michael Gravely, who's not in the program anymore. So, uh, you know, maybe somewhere where they'll, they'll end up, sorry to go back to the, the Ohio thing, but uh, just was just looking that up while you guys were talking there. Um, so let's, let's look ahead to, you know, some of the players maybe here. I mean, let's start with the quarterback. He's Caden Hauser. Um, you know, he's a guy who's been rising up recruiting boards. And I know Mel said yesterday in the press conference that he was kind of a case where they, they sort of just trusted it, trusted their eyes and their scouting with him because he was a little bit lower on QB boards across the country. And they had offered a few guys ahead of him uh, that went elsewhere. Um, but he's been steadily rising, went to the elite Evan 11s as it was a finalist as we've, uh, you know, documented on the pod, but, um, he's a guy I think that has shown all the skills and is pretty clearly the QB of the future for the team. How early do you see Caden Hauser maybe actually getting on the field? And could, do you think he could work into a backup conversation as early as next year? I mean, we'll see when he gets on campus and he's going to be one, an early enrollee, but I certainly would not expect him to see Peyton Thorne as, as a freshman. Um, I think no. that's not going to happen. It's going to be a couple of years, I would believe. Um, What's what's interesting with him was like you met he was a guy that was like four hundred something in the nation as a recruit you know he was from Nevada originally before uh, spending last transferring to St John Bosco and the unique situation is he split time even this year you know here's a four star quarterback that isn't even getting all the snaps on his team because he's got another four star quarterback who's a year younger than him and you know a weird situation maybe not weird but just unique and, and part of it is a reflection of the program he played for and the talent. Um, on the team and in his own room. So, yeah, I mean, they, they identified him. Um, he started, he, well, he was a Boise state commit. Then he decommitted from Boise, took a visit to Michigan state committed. Then he went to the camps and, and the ranking rose from 
like 400 to in the in the 200s and he became a four-star prospect but yeah they really like what they got in him and he by all accounts looks like he can be their guy for the future but I, I it's going to probably be a couple of years before you see him contributing that would be my guess Oh, I don't see any situation where Peyton Thorne isn't the unquestioned starter coming into next season. Um, but, you know, it, obviously, you know, good to get a four-star quarterback in the system there. And they've got some other young guys that I think that they like as well. In terms of like, you know, uh, talking about like maybe guys in this class that could come in and potentially have like a Chuck Brantley type impact. I was watching Mel's presser yesterday um, and I was paying particular attention to to guys like that he was that he, you know, in his little notes where he was saying who could have an impact. He mentioned Braden Miller, the lineman from Colorado. It seems like he really loves Malik Spencer, the safety from Buford in Georgia. He compared Malcolm Jones, uh, who flipped from Virginia Tech to Cam Chancellor. And Zion Young, he also mentions as a guy uh, who could come. And I think he flipped from West Virginia. And then maybe you would think Jack Stone as the kicker could have an opportunity as well. But, I mean, do you see anyone else other than those guys? It's hard to say, I know. Uh, just, you know, wherever, wherever the team was weakest this year, that's where you can look for them to have an, uh, the best opportunity to compete. Um, yeah, Jack Stone would be probably number one on my list because <laughs> Matt Coughlin's going to be leaving after after a decade, as, as Mel was joking on his radio <laughs> show the other night. Um, so they're going to need a kicker and, and we'll see how he can if he can uh, you know handle as a true freshman. But, yeah, I would say the secondary is really where you look. You know, I mean, that's clearly been the weakness this season. Um, we don't know if Xavier Henderson is coming back for another year. So if he does return, takes the COVID year, they would bring back both starting safeties with him and Gross. Um, and then you'd have, you know, Darius Snow as your starting nickel. But, you know, not to say those guys can't get beat out for a job, but a cornerback is really where I would say is, is a key spot, you know, and they got, you know, Caleb Coley's a guy they like a lot, Eddie Willie, and then you mentioned Malcolm Jones, who they listed as a safety, but Mel said, you know, he's going to get his first shot at corner. So, they can play. They can play. Now, offensive line, I, I just it, – oh. it's a hard, really hard thing to crack as a true freshman, um, you know, physically. Even Mel talked about it on, on, I think it was Monday, his presser. You know, that's really the spot he thinks is the most difficult to project because you just don't know how guys are going to physically be able to, you know, handle it, you know, when they come in and they might grow two inches. They might drop 10% body fat. It's just really, really tough spot. So, I – the offensive line, you know, they, you know, they obviously didn't get Keontae Goodwin yesterday, although that's still a mess that's pending because he has We, we got to talk his... about that. It's, it's on my list, fellas. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. It's all, on right, my all, list. Right, all right. I'll just avoid that. But anyways, I just think it's really – even a guy like that, everybody's saying, oh, plug and play, plug and play. Well, let me – I need to see that, you know, because that's just a tough spot to do it at on the offensive line. So, yeah, you know, so I would say, you know, secondary and, and the kicker are the two spots the most. And then, you know, you mentioned defensive end, you know, they're losing both six-year starters in um, Drew Beasley and Jacob Panasuk. They're losing Drew Jordan, another, you know, guy who's out of eligibility. So basically those are your top three ends. Jeff Petrowski will be coming back, but there's a room for, for guys to contribute on the edge. I was thinking the the tra- that's where the transfers would come in. Chris Bogle from Florida. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, he mentioned Zion Young, but, um, you know, you would think Bogle from Florida is going to play a lot. Mel mentioned he was a guy he recruited when he was at Georgia and that he's gotten even bigger and stronger. Um, and then our guy from UNLV, uh, Jacoby Winman seems like he's absolutely going to have a, have a role in this defense, uh, to start, um, based on the way Mel was talking about him. So in Berger, obviously, um, and probably, probably the Mississippi state guy as well. I mean, you don't bring in these veteran transfers without looking to, 
you know, get them some yeah. PT. So, but I, I like, we always put them in a different category. I guess I was referring more to the true freshman who might get a chance. Yeah. One thing that I loved about this signing day, guys, is and I, I haven't really been following recruiting like super closely. I definitely didn't all through the D'Antonio years. Um, but like it seemed like this signing day just had more excitement in general because Michigan State. I mean, Matt, you mentioned the guys that committed that we didn't even know about that we learned in the press or we knew they were sniffing, but we didn't know that they had actually come. But, you know, I guess you could consider Caleb Coley a late flip from Vandy, Malcolm Jones, late flip from Virginia Tech, Zion Young, late flip from West Virginia. I mean, I guess Caden Hauser was technically a flip, Van Summer in a flip, but to see these guys kind of flip last minute after a late visit and then commit um, says a lot about, you know, what Mel's showing them, I think, there. But it was just fun to have, and then we, we can get into Goodwin, too, if you want, uh, and Armani Winfield as well. But just just to have a little bit more excitement that there might be more flips, like, actively happening on signing day was – I don't know if you thought it was fun. Maybe you thought it was exhausting, but from a fan standpoint, it was it was fun to track. No, I mean, it, it, I have no problem with it. And you were you're definitely right that in some, you know, some of the later years with D'Antonio, things went for the most part, according to script, you know, you had 20 guys committed or whatever, and the letters came in and Mark got up at the podium and talked about each one of them and said, yep, we're, you know, we're, we're done for, for the early signing period. And, uh, you know, but maybe we, maybe we need a, de- a defensive lineman down the stretch, you know, in, in February, you know, it was pretty, Cut and dry. Um, yeah. So with Mel, you're getting a little more excitement. And, you know, like we were talking about earlier, they're in some of these battles that they wouldn't have been in the past. You know, you have a five-star <laughs> going to Texas to announce his signing and he doesn't announce it. And it just, you know, the craziness that'd be involved in stuff like that. Um, yeah, it is. It is more exciting for the fan base. Definitely. I can see that probably more stressful for them. Um, you know, when you're, when you're worried about where these 17, 18 year old kids are going to um, sign, but they're, they're in the hunt for, for guys they wouldn't be in, in the past. Mark Mark Antonio in one of his later um, signing day press conferences bragged about how he had just gone for a run. Like he had just gone out jogging like a couple hours ago. I don't know if you remember that one, Matt. And like it was framed yeah. as like, it's good because all our guys are solid. I'm not worried. The haze in the barn. But you're right. The flip side of that is like they were not out trying to flip dudes from SEC programs, you know, um, hours before signing day or on signing day. You know, that was it was just a different mentality. But, yeah, I completely agree with Brandon's point. Like this is more exciting. Like they're in the mix a lot more these days. And I, I think it's fun. I do think I remember it. Some... He, I, I think didn't... he said he went he was getting went for a, he said he went for a little uh, walk and then he was like, oh, it was a little bit of a run. And it was with Don Treadwell. So I do think I remember <laughs> exactly that comment, which I don't know why I would remember that, why you would remember that. But I guess we're both a little messed up. Didn't the Big Ten have something where they're like, oh, we're not going to try and like a gentleman's agreement that they weren't going to try and flip like. Oh, that, yeah. and then that, that ended Urban with Urban that. Meyer. Yeah. yeah, Urban smashed that. Yeah, yeah, that went right thought. out the window. There was the gentleman's agreement handshake or whatever you, the hell they were calling it. And was, then was Joe, over. Joe Keller. No, no, that was a different one. Joe Taylor called Rich Rodriguez a snake oil sale. Oh, yeah, yeah. When, he, when he flipped. So that Rich started banging away at that gentleman's agreement. And then Urban just showed up. He's like, what are we doing here, guys? Um, yeah. He basically yeah. called out the entire Big Ten when he showed up. And he's like, you guys have no idea what you're doing. Yep. Um, but but credit to him because, I mean, I think he started a process where you look at the Big Ten now. They're not the SEC, but um, they've got some better classes than they used to. Well, 
Well, speaking of, you know, chaos and, and craziness and draft or draft day, uh, signing day drama. I mean, Michigan State was there was two guys notably that they had been in on uh, Armani Winfield, the four star receiver from Texas. Uh, you know, he had decommitted from the Longhorns. Michigan State had gotten some crystal balls, appeared to have some momentum. Uh, he ends up going to Baylor, staying in state. So they miss out on him. Uh, and then the big one, Keontae Goodwin, which may or may not still be going on. We're, we're wondering this at the moment, but he is a five-star lineman, number 25 kid in the country, according to the 247 composite, 6'8", 340 monster from Charleston, Indiana. Uh, this guy, man, seems like he, he visited Michigan State. He was just there. They rolled out the red carpet for him. He got a little haircut. They were chanting his name at the Breslin Center. Um, he, Matt, you mentioned the drama in Texas where he didn't even commit. And then, you know, he goes on CBS at five and sort of says, I'm staying with Kentucky. But, uh, you know, Kentucky hasn't announced his signing. They don't have, you know, we, maybe his letter just got lost in the fax machine. Who knows? Uh, but, I mean, this this is crazy between Michigan State and Kentucky going after a five-star in football. Yeah, and not exactly the battle you, you would expect to be. But, um, you know, Kentucky's done a good job recruiting. I think we know the name Vince Morrow um, and, and what he's done in Mel basically trying to get him a couple of years ago. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's more of like a hometown program for Goodwin, and, and they've been recruiting him since he was like two years old or whatever it is. But he is, as of, let's see, 25 minutes ago or whatever, uh, Kentucky handed out, according to this report, uh, the list of their their signees, and he wasn't on it. So I guess there's still a possibility there. Uh, <laughs> but the craziness that is a kid flying to Texas for a, like, 6 a.m. local signing ceremony or whatever it is, only to say he's undecided and then hopping back on a plane. <laughs> And going home to have a his own signing uh, thing broadcast live on, on CBS HQ. Um, man, if that's not a perfect recruiting situation, I just don't know what is. It's re- remarkable every year. Not quite the guy who announced there was a kid who was picking between Michigan State, somebody else a few years ago, and he used like his baby cousin as like the prop. If I remember, he like the kid had like a he like pulled his shirt off and it was like the kid wearing the, the reveal. It was. Some, some recruiting stuff you just can't make up. I, I will say I did not know what Takis were before um, uh, before signing day, and now I know. So shout out I to uh, Keontae Goodwin for introducing <laughs> Mike, me to Takis. I'm Mike a big Pan- Takis guy. Those Mike, things are awesome. Mike Panasuk is the one who first clued me into what those were a few years ago, <laughs> doing a story about him, talking about how much he had gained weight or, or eating healthier or whatever, and he mentioned Takis. And I was like, what? And he said it again. I'm like, I, don't, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. But – um, yeah, I worked it into a story and I think it was one of the cheesier headlines I ever wrote something about spicy <laughs> snacks. Cheesier, and... did you catch that? Yeah. Cheesier. Uh, was that a yeah. pun there again? No, no, not, not intentional, but, uh, uh, yeah. So, well, regardless with good one, it's pretty crazy. I mean, what's going on here at Michigan state thought it was, you know, done fans were done. And then, you know, one of the, the sites comes out with a, you know, statement, their recruiting director saying it's not over yet. And people are looking at um, our guy, Will Fong on, on uh, two, four, seven, and like looking into his comments about, Oh, what I hope is that like, this is obviously a huge decision for the kid. I just hope that like all the pressure, you know, Michigan state Twitter is pretty relentless. I just saw uh, a tweet that Michigan state had, you know, more mentions on Twitter or more interactions on Twitter than anyone else yesterday in the whole country. Um, I was second. 
I think I saw. Uh, no, it, it, was, it was second overall. Yeah. But on Twitter, they led they led the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just took a yeah. quick glance. I see the but, skull, skull so sparks I, thing. I'll just retweet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My, my biggest, my point with it is just like, I hope that like all the attention and the rem- relentlessness of Michigan State Twitter and the media in general isn't like pressuring this kid to, to try and announce when he's not ready to because he clearly wasn't ready to in Texas. And then he's got like this makeshift announcement at five o'clock because CBS wants him to come on. And he, he talks about Michigan State like his entire time and then says, I'm staying home. But now his letter of intent isn't in. So I just hope like I hope he knows that he doesn't have to make the decision right now. Yeah, I mean, by all means, it's a huge decision for <laughs> for somebody to make. And I hope he finds the best fit for him, wherever that might be. And if you need to take time, take your time. The problem is, is if you want to be an early enrollee, which he does, apparently you've I mean, the clock's ticking. If you if you want to get in early, you got to sign by Friday. So that's the only problem that we, where it's the take your time. But if you want to get the head start, you you have to make a decision. So tough spot to be in, um, although a good spot to be in because he obviously has options. Um, you know, he was uh, no, no no one's pulling his scholarship offer. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, I think uh, Dion would find a spot for him in his class. It, we're gonna make we're gonna make a Jackson State joke. This is all gonna end with him at Jackson State. Obviously, that was crazy, man. <laughs> man I don't, we don't need to talk about. But I did a story on it yesterday after it happened, and holy cow, man, that was watching that break live on on CBS Sports HQ was pretty wild because I mean Dion man he, he's probably going to be getting an FBS job eventually here the, the Michigan State tie to that though is that Matt asked Mel yesterday about Nil um, and the Ishbia money and what it matters and you know Mel for for him was pretty I thought pretty definitive like yes this is a big deal and this helps us a lot and this is a new world and we're in a good position in it Absolutely. And there's no, there's no, I, I agree. I thought Mel gave a good answer. And the part of it is you can't not give a good, I mean, you have to embrace this. Mm-hmm. What would be the situation if Mark was still running the program? I don't know. Um, but I don't think Dabo. That's what yeah, the I was just thinking of Dabo too. Yeah. yeah Mark, Mark was a little bit better than him. He wasn't this. I feel like we've done a little world. too much D'Antonio bash. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're a little bit. We the have, guy, the, we the guy won a lot of football games. Um, I love Mark D'Antonio. Don't get it twisted, Kyle. Yeah. The guy's a God. Build him a statue. For all but you're right. I mean, he was more like, like, listen to what time is your just about NIL. I mean, he was more kind of in that wavelength. I, I, I think Mel Tucker's the right way. Like, you changed the rules. All right. Those are the rules now. We're, going, we're moving forward. That's the right attitude to me. Yeah, absolutely. You have to embrace it. If you don't embrace it, you're going to get left behind. Yeah, End of the story. I agree. And, and Michigan State has been on the forefront of embracing it. I mean, really, since it became a rule coming out with the program. And uh, I mean, they've made it clear that they're embracing it. So and I think that's the smart move, because if you're like a top 20, you know, top 20 to 30 program like Michigan State is, I think NIL, NIL is an opportunity maybe for you to to jump up a level along with the other things they've got going on. So, um, yeah, anything else on recruiting or we should, should we have a quick basketball conversation and get out of here? It's obviously uh, not over. We should I mean, mention. Yeah, they <laughs> could have guys coming in still. I mean, we should, we should yeah. do the, the, the Matt Wenzel uh, news minute. Uh, the news there. corner, yes. yes. Thank you, Kyle, Matt. Run, run down the news for us, Matt. All right, so we'll just continue the tradition of mentioning guys who have gone in the portal since last time we talked. So three, I believe, since our last podcast. Um, offensive lineman James Ohamba, who is a reserve guy. Trenton Gillison, tight end. And Jack Camper, defensive end. Um, all veteran guys um ohamba was backup right guard i think the most snaps he probably played in a game on offense was at michigan two years ago when they had uh carrick and buter down but you know backup guy special teams guy um gillison was 
guy who showed potential. Um, remember the pinstripe bowl and it just never quite worked out at a little injury issue last year too. And, and then obviously Hayward hunt um, and then eventually Malik Carr um, seemed to pass him this year. And, and camper was more of just a rotational guy. Another guy who's dealt with some injuries. Um, other news. I think the most significant news of the week for the actual football uh, playing is that Kenneth Walker is officially questionable. I guess you'd say for the uh, peach bowl Mel on Monday said he was, he kept saying, you know, uh, nobody's told me they're not playing. Nobody's told me they're not playing. And then, you know, he said, nobody healthy told me they're not playing. And then that begs the question, well, is Walker playing? And he said he's uncertain. So I think we all know the deal. Um, it's, it's, it's all risk on, on Kenneth's part if he wants, if he plays in that game. He hasn't declared for the draft, but I think it's pretty safe to say that that will happen. I mean, at least it, you'd think it would happen. So you play in the game, the risk's all on you. Um, we'll see how that works. And he, you know, he was dealing with the ankle injury late in the season. Um, let's see other news. Uh, hold on. Mel was the other staff. news. Mel on the Mel staff. I'm staff. sorry. Okay. So there's the opening with Travis Tillman, the cornerbacks coach who left for Georgia tech. Uh, asked Mel about it on Monday and he said, he's going to be flexible. He's not in a rush. He's going to hire the guy who's the best blend of coaching and recruiting. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes in that direction, particularly because it is a cornerbacks coach, you know, a secondary guy, that left. We all know Mel's background and, and his ability to coach cornerbacks. We saw that in person during uh, fall camp. We saw that on the sidelines late this season. So maybe he goes in a different direction and hires somebody who, you know, to coach the different position, but uh, I think that will wrap up the new stuff without me going too long. All right, cool. Let's talk about basketball, Kyle. It's finals week, so no games this week. Uh, if you're a college basketball fan, this is the worst week of the season the because worst. the matchups just stink. Like, it's they're not good. They're mostly by games. We did get, you know, Memphis Bam on Tuesday. That was entertaining. I, I think, I think Michigan know, like, State fans had a rooting interest in that for one reason. <laughs> yes, yes, they might have. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, this weekend, I think you got, like, the CBS Sports Classic with, like, Kentucky and UCLA and Ohio State and North Carolina. So decent games there, but this is the dead zone for the college basketball season. Um, Michigan State has no games. Their next game is Tuesday against Oakland. Next Tuesday against Oakland at Little Caesars Arena. Um, but last week, you know, uh, starting two and zero in the Big Ten, taking care of business against Penn State, uh, eighty to sixty four at the Breslin Center, and then earlier in the week at the Barn in Minnesota, seventy five sixty seven. Kyle, I mean, honestly, the Minnesota game score is closer than it actually was. Um, Michigan State took care of business for the most part uh, last week. Yeah, I mean, 2-0 and in the Big Ten is 2-0 and in the Big Ten. I don't expect those two teams to be competing for league titles in March, but uh, Minnesota certainly a lot better than we thought. They turned around and beat Michigan in Ann Arbor right after um, that Michigan State game, and, um, you know, I think they're better than we thought. Penn State, uh, you know, done a lot of depth, but, you know, beating them solidly is beating them solidly. So, yeah, they're they're looking good. I mean, I mean to me, the biggest difference is Tyson Walker. Um, I think he is really finding his stride. Um, you know, the, the stuff that he said in the beginning of the year, he was trying to figure out, um, you know, when to pass, when to shoot, how to get guys the ball, um, making sure he fast breaks the way that he needs to, uh, just running that offense in the system the way it needs to be run. Uh, to me, he just, he looks like he's figured all that out now and that he's he's comfortable that's the word you hear him say over and over again you hear uh coaches teammates say it i mean michael shrewsbury got asked about it the penn state coach and he said man that guy just looks way more comfortable than than their early tape um so he is certainly settling in and looking like he's going to be um a pretty solid point guard for them this year i mean you got games like 
uh, Minnesota where he shoots a little bit more, scores 15 points, um, but then you got games where he can put out nine, 10 assists. So he, he's showing that he can do both. And I think he's making good decisions about when to do both. And uh, man, some of the kind of killer instinct stuff, I think we've seen a little bit um, of flashes of. There was a point against Minnesota in the first half where they cut it to, they I forget what they cut it to, but they got this close that they got. And he just turns around and pulls up um, and just drains a three in a dude's face and just silences the whole barn. Um, and he just loved it. Um, and, mm. um, you know, just moments like that. I think we're starting to see a little bit of this dude's attitude. And I, I like his trajectory. And he's been the biggest difference. And, you know, Gabe Brown has been the mailman. He's showing up every day. Um, Marcus Bingham. I thought it had a, a few kind of slower games um, in, in the last couple of weeks. But overall, it's been pretty solid. And, um yeah, they're better than I thought, which I feel like I've been saying for a lot for the last couple of weeks. 15 points. Uh, let's see. Three assists and four turnovers against Minnesota. Penn State was great. Ten points, nine assists, just one turnover. Uh, Malik Hall goes off again, uh, again against Minnesota. I mean, like, that guy's like, we're going to have to, like, start, you know, coming in, coming up with a nickname, like, you know, comparing him to Vinny Johnson, the microwave, because that guy comes in and he when he gets going, he is lethal. Malik mm-hmm. Hall, that is. Um, and he's really provided that scoring punch and get his own shot. Um, it, yeah, the, the team can pin, continues to be very deep. Uh, you've got a bunch of guys averaging, you know, uh, at least five points. Minutes are pretty spaced out. Joey Hauser, I thought, took a step in the right direction last week, um, particularly against uh, Minnesota. I think yeah. he, he had, uh, he had 10 and seven, uh, two assists, only one turnover. So he seems like he's getting more comfortable. It's amazing what happens when you have that good point guard play, because it really just seems to get everyone else involved. Um, you know, we, the team seems to get along and really like each other. Um, you know, we saw them singing their jingle bells and <laughs> reluctantly having to participate in Tom's Christmas radio show last night. That's always very comical. Although I, I couldn't help but think about COVID with all those people packed in there a little bit. Yeah. I'm like, Oh boy. Uh, we see, cause we see it getting bad right now. We're it's, seeing it's games get called again. off again. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm, I was a little nervous about that watching how tightly they were packed in there, but you know, it's a tradition. So I guess it is what it is. And Tom, you know, going up to the UP this week, clearly in a festive mood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and they should feel good. I mean, they're, they're nine and two. Uh, their only two losses are the teams currently in the top 10 Kansas and Baylor. So a little step below that, but um, you know, beating Minnesota Penn state convincingly, you know, that Connecticut win, uh, you know, loyal Chicago has played well. They're kind of top 25 right on the edge there. So um, they're looking good and, you know, they're going to keep looking good. I mean, they've got, you know, Oakland, Oakland is going to give them more trouble than the last couple of years. They're better. You know, I still think they're going to win that at Little Caesars. Uh, that'll be next Tuesday. Um, obviously, they beat Oklahoma State on the road. Um, but, um, you know, after that high point, that's the easiest game on the schedule. Um, and then you're back in a Big Ten play. Uh, you know, the, things are shaping up pretty well for them, you know. Um, and I, the, the, I think they're going to benefit from all this rush. It's a really weird schedule, you know. Like, I can't remember, like, a mid-December with this few games. Like, it, it always slows down some, but they really packed them in early and they're really stretching it out now. So, you know, no real injuries, but I think guys will come back feeling better, healthier, and um, they'll be fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Moore for Oakland is a very good player preseason first team, all team and Jamal Kane, uh, who's a Marquette transfer averaging 21 points a game. So Oakland definitely has 
two guys that can can really get buckets for them at the mid-major level. They're in the top 10 in almost every mid-major ranking I see. So, mm-hmm. And Oakland has ri- risen up to beat Michigan State in the past, especially when they're in Detroit slash Auburn well, never Hills, beaten so. them. They, 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 they've never beaten them. Challenged them, I mean. Yeah, yeah challenged mm-hmm. them, I mean. Yeah. Um, so it'll be, it'll be a fun game to watch. It's always, I, I always appreciate that game and I love Greg Campy, man. Big Greg Campy. <laughs> Campy, guy. Campy the man. I love Campy. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, I, I'll try to get video. Like when, sometimes when Izzo and Campy play, they'll, they'll do like the post game jointly. And they're like, they're like a duo comedy act. Like those do know each other so well. And they're both pretty funny dudes. And Elvis um, and Costello up there. Pretty much. Yeah. That's what they are. Yeah. Hopefully they get together. They're two of the better personalities. <laughs> all right well uh that'll do it for our episode i think a uh, lot of a lot of good stuff going on here guys um we'll obviously keep an eye on the peach bowl as that game draws closer still a couple weeks out um from the game down in atlanta but kenny pickett kenneth walker both very much questionable for that game so if they do end up being out uh it'll be interesting to see you know who who steps up uh, obviously for our pur- purposes it would give some opportunities for some younger guys from michigan state if kenneth walker is out who would you think look look forward to get get the rock there matt elijah or yeah i think i think collins probably you know i mean we saw simmons getting the number two carries a lot um but that was mostly you know early in the season when elijah was dealing with an injury and then he got hurt again and missed what five games or whatever it was uh but yeah i'm 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 interested to see what he can do fully healthy if he is at that point again because we know what he did in 2019 he had the covid battle last year and wasn't himself but we, I like what I've seen in flashes with them. Simmons, you know, he ran for over 100 against Youngstown State. Harold Joyner, you know, got his role kind of picked up a little bit as this season went on. You know, a third down pass pro guy, but, you know, got some touches. So those three would be the ones to watch for most if, if Kenneth decides not to play. Um, and since we're, we talked about it, it appears uh, Goodwin is signing with Kentucky right now. So he's sending in his national yeah. letter of intent. Yeah, like Put it to bed. Put it to bed. So Put it to bed. We can wrap that up and just ignore everything we talked about earlier regarding speculation. <laughs> hey, it was good speculation, though. All right, we got to get out of here. Appreciate everyone for listening. Check out our work on MLive.com slash Spartan. Give us a rating and a review if you can. Uh, once again, thank you for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Go Green.